you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC is delivered the way we love it to be, completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Cashfly. Cashfly is actually sponsoring all of the shows on the 5x5 network, giving the hosting. It's all provided by Cashfly, and Cashfly is the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. You can find out more at cashfly.com. That's C-H, excuse me, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. And also, new sponsor, Foot Cardigan. I'll be telling you more about them shortly, but DLC is... The show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who never misses a PAT, two-pointer or otherwise, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. A reminder up top to you and our listeners that we will be in San Antonio on Friday doing Pack South. We'll be doing a live panel at 1230 in the Falcon Theater, a live DLC with Jeff and I, and some surprises. And if you are there with nothing to do that night, I will be at the Blind Tiger Comedy Club doing shows at 10 p.m. in midnight. And then Saturday, I will be doing the show Sure Thing in Austin. So uh, come, come to those. And you're doing a live, uh, we have concerns at Pack South. when? On Saturday night, yeah, at 8. Saturday also night? Also in the Falcon Theater. Saturday night. Same theater. Saturday, Saturday, so, uh, Saturday night. So I'm really excited about that. It's coming up really soon. Woo. Oh my gosh, it's the end of this week. So uh, I guess uh, we I get, get ready, got to pack. Uh, <laughs> I've never been to San Antonio, and I've never been to Pack South, but I'm really excited. This is the, the last packs that I haven't been to ever. Have, so. have you seen Cloak and Dagger? I have, yeah, that old movie with um, um, the kid from E.T., right? You have been to San Antonio, then. Oh, all right. On the river walk in San Antonio, (laughs) everything I see. So I hope to see lots of listeners there. It's going to be a good time again in the Falcon Theater Friday at 1230. Be there. Hey, we got a big show this week. I'm excited. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC, once again, stands for Divisions, Leagues, and Conferences. Because from the Press Row podcast and HitThePass.com, we have our buddy Rich Grisham back on the show. Hey, Rich. What is happening, gentlemen? Great to be here. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited. Yeah, I think uh, last time you were on, which is far too long ago... Um, Christian wasn't here, so this is the first, first episode where we've united you guys, which is exciting for me. I'm glad uh, Christian has been avoiding me for a long time now, but, yeah. uh, you know, forced him to, to show up. And so, by avoiding you, know, you, you mean doing your yearly sports recap show when Garnet stopped doing it and Jeff stopped doing it? Is that which, how you mean? Is that how you mean I'm avoiding you? Rich, is that, I don't know. Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, sir. It's, an episode, <laughs> it's a show we did. It's, a, it's a, Hi, guys. It's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> How man, what a fun time for sports people. If you don't know, the uh, Press Row podcast is about sports video games uh, and the intersection of those two things. Great show you should check out. Um but what a great time. You know, we got the we got the Super Bowl right around the corner, really big fun uh championship weekend we just had. Basketball season's rolling on. Um Rich, are you uh, are you having a good time watching sports lately? 
Absolutely. We got, uh, I live in New Jersey, so we got a little more than two feet of snow this past weekend. So it was the perfect reason <laughs> to just sit and watch uh, two, you know, three and a half hour football games on Sunday afternoon. So yeah, I watched, watched all of both of the games. And, uh, yeah, it was great. And it, it is an excellent time of year uh, for sports. Obviously now a little melancholy because the only game left is the Super Bowl. And you sort of hit that kind of rough late January, February, March time frame. But then comes March Madness. And then it's baseball season and everything cranks right back up again. And all is right with the world again. Yeah. All right. Well, this is not a sports show, but it is a video game show. And we got lots to talk about. Uh, especially, hey, if you're one of our live listeners in the chat room uh, today – Purple Hydra is giving away an alpha code for Dreadnought uh, at Purple Hydra. I think he is um, he's doing that to just people in the chat room. So it's pretty cool. It's just one of our listeners who had an alpha code for Dreadnought, wanted to give it away, contacted me. I said, let's rock. Let's do it. So a little incentive for people to listen live. Uh, but we let's, let's jump into the show now the way we always do the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of video games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag. That's uh, 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 DLCSOTW, which stands for Story of the Week. Or by visiting our subreddit. That's at reddit.com slash 5x5DLC. Lots of good stories to talk about this week. Rich, as our guest, you get first pick. So what's your Story of the Week? Cool. Well, um... I, I like a lot of different kinds of games, um, but one of my favorite games of last year was Her Story. And mm. seeing that Her Story 2 is happening makes this an easy, you know, slam dunk choice for me. I, I really enjoyed a lot of what that game did. Um, and I, you know, I know some people like to use the word game in air quotes when it comes to describing experiences like this, but I'm perfectly comfortable calling it a game. I really enjoyed a lot of it. And uh, the fact that they're going to make another one, uh, I think, is is great news. It's always good to have sort of alternative, uh, alternate experiences. And I think her story was one of the coolest uh, sort of experiences I, I've I've been able to, to you know to have in the game space in the last couple of years. So I'm I very totally excited agree. about that. Yeah, and and you're referring to a tweet that developer Sam Barlow posted uh, just recently, showing a one page breakdown of his plan for what uh, is titled at least tentatively, her story, too. Uh, uh, it's all blurred out uh, in the tweet, so you can't really see any details of what it's going to consist of, but it's enough to know that that's happening. I'm also really excited. My question to you, Rich, though, is, you know, her story was such a unique experience. Do you think it needs to evolve into something else? Do you think that just kind of doing that again with a different case or a different story is enough, or do you think that it needs to iterate and become something more? Well, the best, uh, I think the best answer to that is it doesn't really matter, right? So, and the reason I say that is if it's just another case and it's sort of the structure and the search and the sort of putting the pieces together, however you want to do that is the same and it's just a new story, no pun intended, I'm totally cool with that because I I felt like I could do that same sort of um, journey 10 times. So I'm cool with that if that's the direction that they go. 
But I'm also, of course, cool with something very different. Perhaps, you know, you're a different type of a person or perhaps it's not really a a mystery per se so much as as it is something else. So either way, I don't think they can make a whole lot of wrong decisions, um, but they're in kind of a good spot where I think whichever direction they go, they've got a lot of opportunities to do some cool stuff. Yeah, the word we're hearing is that it will be a spiritual successor, so it won't actually be the same actress or the same characters that were established in the first first game, that, you know, full motion video. That It will still be full motion video. It will still be an acted, you know, a, a real human being acting in front of a camera. Or but a ghost. Probably won't. Or a ghost. Uh, <laughs> Christian, what's your, what's your take on, on her story, too? Do you want it to be... Uh, you want to be a, a cop again looking at crime scene footage or are you hoping for something else or do you like Rich where either way it'll work? Yeah, I think this is maybe the most cynical question that you've asked. Maybe the most cynical you've ever been on the show, Jeff, except for when you're being cynical about me, where here's <laughs> one of your favorite games of the year getting a sequel and you're like, yeah, but <clears throat> excuse me. You're like, yeah, but what is it going to be? How do you how do you make that again? Who cares? Give them, right now. I feel like they have they have creative leash to do whatever they want. And when it comes back, I'm going to be excited for it until it disappoints me. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. here's people that made a great game and they're going to make another great game that somehow ties back to this game that everybody loved. I, that is awesome. And whatever they do with it, um, it you got to give them the full faith and credit to do something cool. And then at that point, when they disappoint us, oh, you better believe I am coming with pitchforks. <laughs> 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 but until that moment, uh, yeah, and Mighty One in the chat just said, so it's like True Detective where it changes every season. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Mighty One, because True Detective never had a second season. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> it does not exist. Uh, I didn't finish it, that's for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, – I think I don't mean to be cynical about it. I just feel like when something is so unique and so specific and so revolutionary and, – and, I mean, revolutionary may be overstating it, but it was really, really new and different and had nobody had ever done it before. So Story pitch. Um, his story, Being a Murderer, a sequel to the Netflix <laughs> documentary series. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I just think that, that they could take this template and really kind of flip the script a little bit. And instead of it being looking at a, disp- uh, a deposition, which is basically what this is, is a series of police interviews. It could be anything where you have somebody uh, recording themselves a whole bunch of times, you know, and I think – I don't know. Oh, yeah. It'll I mean, be security footage, like you're, yeah. you know, a, a, something stolen from a lab or uh, infidelity. Right. That could be very personal, like how you're yeah. dealing with like a, a couple talking to one another. There's so much room for this type of thing. And I love the way that they're, you know, have committed to using real actors again. Because while L.A. Noir, you know, that facial tech was awesome. It's not the same as watching a human being emote and react. So it's going to be hopefully it's going to be good. Uh, so what is your uh, what is your story of the week, Christian? Oh man, it's it's my addiction. Twilight Princess and Amiibo and a new dungeon or something, and it's like Nintendo. <laughs> I love you so much, but I you you got I, I love you. It, despite my like, my mom would pull me aside and be like, Christian, Nintendo is not a good is not a good girl for you to date. And I'm like, but no, Nintendo's dope. I go to the dance and everybody's excited to see me with Nintendo, and I'm the most popular kid. But Nintendo smokes and does drugs and now you're but it's nintendo mom we're cool uh just feeds my horrible addictions so twilight princess hd <laughs> a game i otherwise was like not interested nope 
super interested. <laughs> Why? Because it has a, a piece of plastic that comes with it? That is that Was that enough? It has a really dope Wolf Link Amiibo that's only available, only available uh, through the bundle. And tapping into the gamepad, you get a Cave of Shadows, a bonus dungeon. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Yeah. I, why wouldn't I want that? The uh, Twilight Princess was a good Zelda, not the best, but a good Zelda, and yeah, a new dungeon in that good. world with new HD assets. Maybe like, oh man! Unless this thing, if it's ninety bucks or more, then like if they really jack the price on this thing, then I, that will they will give me a reason not to buy it. But if it's reasonably priced for a game I like, plus new content, plus a little tchotchke or whatever to put on my shelf, I'll probably buy it. Rich, are you an Amiibo fan? I have several. Um, That's a yes. They don't get a <laughs> <laughs> they don't get a lot of use, but yes, we we do have. I uh, got a Mario, got a Luigi, got a Pac Man. Um, so we got a few hanging around, and when I say we, I mean my son and I, because he and I play a lot of video games together. So um, you know, it's so funny when with. When you have an eight-year-old, you're, you know, the, the games that you play, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, sort of veer wildly. Like one week you're all about this game and one week you're all about that game. So the Amiibos for about two weeks, you know, we were constantly using them in like Smash Brothers and stuff like that. But for the last month or so, they've just been looking really nice sitting on the, uh, sitting on the mantle. But I have a feeling they'll be back in circulation some point soon. Well, we got news that the uh, the Wolf Link is not the only new amiibo that we're going to get. There's also going to be uh, a uh, two. Oh no, what is it? I'm looking here. They're there was doing a bunch of new, new ones. Oh, here they are. Animal Crossing yeah. guys. Animal Crossing, right? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. Uh, but also the um, the existing amiibos will work with the the new Wii U version of uh, Twilight Princess as well. And you'll get um, weird things. Like new like, era. But no one cares about the amiibo you have, Jeff. It's all about buying new the, amiibo. That's, right. <laughs> once you I, have I it, clearly don't cares? get it. I'm, <laughs> yes. But Ganondorf will like, make you take more damage if you have Ganondorf. You know, it's, it's uh, interesting. It's like adding challenge. It's like Halo Skulls. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, the, the functionality is neat. The way that they're, you know, they added into the game is... I, I complain about it, but I buy it. So I can't, <laughs> I can't complain. Gotta stop hanging around with that Nintendo girl. Oh, she's... Bad, man. But, ooh, so good, right? When she treats you so well yeah. with the first party release. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're on Nintendo and, 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 her, and her wicked, wicked ways, um, I, this isn't my story of the week, but I, I thought I should bring it up anyway. This, this rumor that the specs for Nintendo's NX got leaked, uh, I thought this is pretty interesting. Evidently, this Twitter user um, sent a picture of a survey that he got sent by Nintendo that lists the specs for the NX – Clearly in the in the rumor category, this is not confirmed at all, but it does list it as being a console handheld hybrid, which is interesting. Uh, it's kind of what people had been speculating a little bit. It <clears throat> mentions specifically 900p, which is a little disappointing if it's got industry-leading chips, which was what we heard. Um, it's a little low, but it does say that it's going to support 4K video streaming at 60 frames per second. Uh, 900p at 60 frames per second for games. Uh, and it says it's going to come with a game controller and a sensor bar, which leads me to believe there will be backwards compatibility with previous sensor bar consoles like the Wii and the Wii U. Um, any reaction to what... This seems pretty pedestrian for uh, a Nintendo NX list of specs. What do you think, Rich? I love Nintendo. 
Uh, I have purchased every machine that they've made for a couple of decades now, I think. I might have missed one here or there. Um, so whatever they do, I'm picking one up day one. I don't really get into the, um, you know, the numbers and the frames per second and the, you know, dilly bobs per kilowatt or anything like that. Um, I love Nintendo. They've been good to me my whole life. And my son is a big Nintendo fan. So I'm pretty much sign me up when it's available. I'm not really going to get too freaked out, excited until it's available, but the minute it's out there, I'm, I'm getting it day one. Certainly seems to point toward uh, if it's 900p. It certainly seems to point toward another inexpensive box, which you know Nintendo certainly has had success keeping their prices low. But I think the idea of iterating so soon after Wii U led people to think that they maybe wanted to compete on a, uh, a technological level with the other consoles and really kind of be a cutting edge box. What, what's your take, Christian? I don't quite understand tech and you know maybe someone can tweet or email us later or explain or maybe rich you or jeff know but i don't quite understand how a console is limited to 900p my understanding is you have your gpu and it you know a, a myriad of factors go into whether or not a console can output at whatever like i know a non-hd console i guess you can limit it um but it seems weird because like the xbox one for instance you know some games are at 900p others are at 1080 ps4 some hit non-native 1080 as well i don't get you, you yeah, you decide on a software level what your game is going to do. I don't think the hardware would limit it. I think that they're, this as a, a bullet point on a survey is indicate is indicating that there is, um, yeah, that's their sort of target for the games. Like the, it is capable of doing sixty frames per second at nine hundred p for you know across the board. So I think that's sort of like a a benchmark setting, not Got a it. not a limiting. So that to me that implies it's maybe slightly, and I'm not trying to flame. Uh, console wars here but i think that implied maybe it's on par with or slightly ahead of an xbox one depending on what it can do or maybe like right out of ps4 because i feel like many ps4 games aren't 1080 60 and a lot of xbox one games aren't don't even hit 960 um, but just because they're doing so many other things like i played arkham knight on xbox one and i loved it i thought it looked beautiful uh, at no point yeah. was i like i'm missing those 80ps or but it seems well, like they're not pushing the hardware. It seems like they're looking to come in with what we already have. Jimmy John in the chat raises an interesting point. He says 900p is so that games will run on the handheld unit, which is an interesting perspective. That if it is this hybrid handheld uh, system, that maybe that they really are looking at it to be symmetrical, uh, you know, either on your television or in your hand. So that that's an interesting idea. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Rich. I you know I think I'm probably going to get it. I feel like in order to justify them iterating so quickly, I mean, they, they already have the HD Nintendo box that we all wanted. Like, we wanted Nintendo to get into the HD era. They did it. So now it's like, well, why now do you need a new box? Like, give me an, an explanation as to why. Uh, what, do, what couldn't you do on Wii U that this will let you do? And Sell I think them. that's the... <laughs> for real like yeah. it's for whatever reason like the xbox one is a great console but it was tainted by a horrible launch and all the miscommunication and it will and my expert opinion will never catch the ps4 in global sales and the wii u was tainted from launch too it's just it was labeled a stinker games were coming out too slow they continue to come out too slow so for whatever reason it's it's a stinker and it will never overcome that 
and it will take a new console, a new thing to hopefully clean the slate. But what I think Nintendo needs to do when they come out with this clean slate, and I, I don't think they will, which disappoints me, they need to have games ready to go. I mean, I think after the GameCube, Reggie or whomever was saying, we get it, we need more games than the Wii. I know, we need more quality games. The Wii U, this is for you. I get it, we need more quality games. And they just, they make great games, but they just don't come out at a pace that can support for mass consumption, you know, like huge success mass consumption, um, that market to support a console. And I know the Wii sold gangbusters, but it, that was a uh, a outlier more than it was a the rule. Yeah. Well, Sad take all this with a grain of salt because we don't. this is clearly in the rumor category. We don't know anything for certain about NX yet, but I think this is the year we're going to hear a heck of a lot about it because I suspect it will be released by the end of this year. So Yeah, was this a Twitter or was this just some guy? I mean, was this a survey or just some guy on Twitter creating a Twitter poll? <laughs> what do you yeah, want, 900p, 80 How many p's you want, man? <laughs> um, so my, my story of the week actually uh, – you know, there's some interesting things floating around, but I think for me the most interesting thing, and I, I wanted to bring this up more as a, a topic of discussion than anything else, is, you know, the uh, the reviews are hitting as we record this this morning uh, for The Witness, which is uh, the new game from designer Jonathan Blow, who did Braid, and um, it's a puzzle game, and all of the reviews that I've I've sort of browsed cursorily. Is uh, are saying that you know don't don't read guides don't spoil yourself the whole game is figuring it out and that's how Braid was for me too I urged everybody I I loved Braid I, it still stands as one of the great gaming experiences of my life um, and you know I I have been a staunch advocate for not looking at guides not looking up the solution like literally just sitting there and and being okay with not knowing for a while and cranking on something and not needing to speed through things and really the puzzle the not knowing is part of the fun and uh while that can be frustrating at sometimes you know games like braid and games like portal and you know real true puzzle games the the process of getting stuck and then unsticking yourself naturally and through your own means is the fun and uh, I haven't played The Witness yet. I'm very excited. It comes out this week. We'll probably be talking about it next week a lot because I'm very excited to play it. It's very much my kind of game. Um, but before I have a chance to play it, and while I'm very confident right now, you know, <laughs> without any experience yet, uh, in like, oh, I'm not going to look up any any, any solutions, uh, I want to be able to have that discussion, you know, right now. Uh, while I'm very confident. So what, what's your feeling, Rich, on the whole, like, you know, I, I feel like with games like Dark Souls and a whole, there's a whole range of games now that have sort of conditioned us to look at guides even before we start playing something. And that's a whole new style of play is using the internet as a resource to sort of prepare you for a, a game experience. And when I was growing up, you kind of looked at people sideways when they said they got the hint book or whatever, you know, and and that's not the case anymore. So what's what's your stance on using aids to solve a puzzle or get you past something? Well, it's funny because I, I I'm you know the same general age as as you and Christian, and I feel exactly the same way. What the heck is the fun of playing a game, especially a puzzle game or a game where there's a lot of secrets and and cool stuff to to discover? Like the discovery is the thing, and you feel smart and you and and you feel brilliant for for doing these kind of things. But on the other hand, 
that's really not the way that games are uh, discovered anymore. You know, my son is eight. He'll be nine this summer. He loves games. And, and the way that he finds out everything about games is on YouTube yeah. and on Twitch. And, it, you know, I, I didn't mention at the top, but, you know, at the start of the year, I took over um, as a chief marketing officer for Out of the Park Developments, a, a video game company. And, you know, our, the games that we make are very specific. There are a couple of PC strategy games and mobile strategy games. Uh, but I was amazed at um, how many people, even for, for this kind of a game, have been clamoring for more videos, more official YouTube, more official Twitch streams. So, in fact, we just launched that last week. Um, so it's not good. It's not bad. It's just, you know, as every year, year, heck, every month you know, goes by, more and more people are, are and it's, I don't think it's so much that they're looking for cheats and guides so much as you can't help yourself but be driven towards video to find out about a game and with a game like this you know a lot of those or at least some of those things will be discovered very quickly it's 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 hard but you gotta you know you have to be prepared if you're making video games these days for video to be the main driver of communicating what your game is about so um, it's a really tough line to balance for a game like this it's interesting because some of the reviews that I was reading this morning were saying that you you know you look at the answer to a puzzle in this game at your peril because the previous solution and how you got there informs the next one and it's sort of this cascading effect of like if you didn't figure it out on your own you're not going to be able to figure out the next one and the next one and the next one and all of a sudden now you're just stepping through by looking at guides which is a really fascinating i'm curious just to see how that is pulled off and how the vocabulary of the game is is created and i think too sorry to to interrupt real quick like fez i thought was Mm. a wonderful game yes but some of the puzzles in fez were so difficult that i could not help but eventually like look it up so if the puzzles are are tricky but solvable yeah. Uh, then I think they're also that goes a long way. But if they're these really dense kind of, of, of multi-layered, very difficult puzzles, again, that that also I think has a lot to do with it as well. Space Bob in the chat says, "Not all of us have the time to bang our head against a puzzle for a couple of hours," which you know I think is something that resonates with a lot of people. Um, Christian, what's what's your take on this? I agree that you know a lot of people don't have time to bang their head against the wall for a couple hours for a puzzle, but if that's the game you're playing, I think that's kind of what the game is. That's circular, but hopefully that makes some sense where um, I don't have time to fight against dudes for a couple of hours. Well, you bought Mortal Kombat X. That's what you do. And it's this sense, and I'm I'm in this camp, I'm guilty of this too, where so many video games now are doing the constant reward, you know, where the rat pushing the thing and getting a little dopamine hit, and we're like, we're doing it, achievement, I did it, a checkpoint, did it, and look at this, I did it, everything is going up Christian, or whatever, like, everything's going up <laughs> Millhouse today. Um, and so when you get back to a game that requires you to sit there and think, it's like, oh, well, you're not accomplishing anything, you're not doing anything, that's time wasted, I, I couldn't get past that thing and I had two hours to play video games and I sat down and I got to this puzzle and I sat there and I couldn't get past it and I got frustrated I wanted to get just get to the next one well why why did you want to get to the next one if you haven't solved the first one like give it some time let let your background app run for a little bit in your brain and think about it for two days and at some point yes 
you know, move on or else you run the risk of setting the game aside. And I think that point comes at different times for people. But for me, that's always the test where it's, am I so frustrated that after a couple of days, you know, of, of trying, going back, trying, going back, that I am now, I, I know I am not going to play this game anymore. Then I will go to a guide or a fact. But until I get then, I kind of enjoy the set it down and go back to what's on my backlog for a little bit. And then sometimes it clicks. And I also, while I won't go to a guide, what I enjoy are old school guides, which is, you know, your friend Bill who lives down the street who's good at everything or whatever. <laughs> or like, I won't, I'll, yeah. before I go to a fact, I'll call you or something. And I think that's a fun thing to do with like, dude, I'm stuck on the witness. Because then your friend can be like, oh, yeah, um, well, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side or, <laughs> or whatever, right? right? Like they can tease you with answers and I, I like that water cooler approach to it yeah yeah I mean it's a it's a complicated issue and I, you know I, I certainly I try not to begrudge anybody the the desire to sort of just get past this thing that they find frustrating and get on to maybe something that's a little better but I also I, you know I kind of feel like it's the same thing about about spoilers you know it's I, I don't need to have my things served up to me on a platter in a certain way like I I want to I want to arrive at it in the way that was most intended by the creator and, and of the thing and sort of enjoy that process, enjoy that journey, enjoy that road to getting there. And I think that so many of the game experiences like Limbo and Braid and Portal and games like that when when I've been stuck for a long time and then I get it and then the solution is so elegant it's like, oh my god! Yep. It feels—it's so gratifying to me, and that's yep. kind of very similar to how I feel with a, a great movie that I didn't see the twist coming, and it, you know, because I didn't see the trailer or whatever, you know. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. A um, couple of other quick uh, news items that I want to get to real quick. Uh, actually, we should thank our sponsor first. Uh, we have a new sponsor, and uh, this is really cool. Foot card again. Uh, I talked about these guys years ago on the Totally Rad Show. I'm so glad they're back. Uh, it's such a fun, fun thing. Uh, they're asking me to say, talk about Valentine's Day. And I think this is actually an awesome Valentine's Day gift because you don't have to settle for cliched Valentine's Day gifts like flowers. Everybody does that. Chocolate. Yeah, it's yummy. But people expect that. A sock subscription from Foot Cardigan? Yeah. It's kind of awesome. It's kind of different and cool. Uh, it's it's the gift that isn't too over the top, but it still says you put some effort into it. And Valentine's Day can be an awkward time for a new relationship. So when you get a gift that says, like, you did too much or you did not enough, eh, it's not so good. But a sock subscription is the gift that allows you to put some thought into it without smothering your partner. Foot cardigan! A gift that guarantees at least one more good makeout session, unless you suck at making out. Flowers wilt, chocolates melt, <laughs> give the Valentine's Day gift that lasts as long as you want. Foot Cardigan will deliver a random pair of awesome socks to your booze mailbox every single month. You just saved Valentine's Day. It's a monthly sock subscription that will remind your special someone how much they love you every single month. You just have to uh, grab Valentine's Day by the balls this year. You give your person a monthly sock subscription. So what you get, you go month to month or three, six, or nine, or 12-month pay-once subscriptions are available. And you get these cool socks, a su surprise pair of socks. Girls, 
Also, by the way, they appreciate a guy wearing nice socks. So these are it's a great Valentine's Day gift, but it's also a great gift to yourself. If uh, if you want to just look nice and try to woo that special someone, if you don't have a special someone yet, chicks notice the little details. And cool socks like Foot Cardigan are really cool. You have a new pair of socks every month that look really interesting and unique and different. You don't have to wear just all black or, God help you, all white socks. Uh, and guess what? We're going to give you a 10% off any Foot Cardigan subscription when you go to footcardigan.com and enter the promo code DLC at checkout. You'll save Valentine's Day, you'll save your relationship, and you'll save humanity! Footcardigan.com, F-O-O-T-C-A-R-D-I-G-A-N.com, promo code DLC, save yourself 10%, get some sweet socks. Do it. Pretty cool. Uh, all right, guys, let me just hit uh, – there's a couple of other interesting sp- stories here. One of them is that the Mighty Number no. 9 got delayed a third time after Inafune saying, uh, I promise it will not be delayed again. Guess what? It's delayed It only again. needs six so, more delays, and then it will hit Mighty Number no. 9. hey <laughs> That's just math. Um, the, <laughs> so – you know, the lesson learned is never say never, never say it will never be delayed again because you can't predict that. But also, you know, uh, I think these guys, you know, they launched this uh, a second Kickstarter because Mighty Number no. 9, famously very successful Kickstarter that has been delayed and delayed and delayed, uh, launched a second Kickstarter. That did not hit its number because people were like, hey, um, this other thing's being delayed. So I think I think this is all working as it should. You know, people are taking into account previous track record for future things. Uh, it's a bummer that this game is being delayed again, but games get delayed, and hopefully, uh, evidently, this is all about um, netcode and matchmaking. He says uh, so. It's it's because the the engine that they were using hasn't been updated, so they're having to do it all themselves. Yada yada yada. Basically, Mighty Number no. Nine still not coming out, and now it's spring. Rich, you have a response to this? Well, other than you know, everything Kickstarter-related, you know, has potential to to be very dangerous. Uh, you know, I've I've never I'm not anti-Kickstarter as like an entity, you know, but personally, I've never backed anything on Kickstarter. I'm much more of a okay, if a product is available, I will potentially purchase it, but I'm not really. Um, I'm not really the kind of person with so many different choices that you have today. Like how many thousands of games can you play right now? You know, they're everywhere all over the place. In fact, many of us bemoan our, our backlogs that never get, um, never get, uh, you know, attacked. So, you know, because of that, and just because of sort of the, the strange nature of, of how these, uh, you know, Kickstarter backed video game processes have gone. I've never really, never really gotten into that. And, and, you know, it's, you know, with, even with our company, like, you know, we, we've had conversations about, you know, for some new stuff that we want to do, do we kickstart it? And and we've always arrived at no for a lot of reasons. Um, But one of the main reasons is, you know, when you make proclamations and then you're not able to deliver on those proclamations, it's just bad for everybody. Um, when you make proclamations and you're not able to deliver on them and you've already taken a lot of people's money independently as opposed to you've got the publisher behind you, it's just 10 times worse. And, you know, if this were a situation where this game were being made and being funded by a publisher and there was a delay, people would go, oh, you know, that's too bad and excited for the game. 
but when it's when it's delayed and the people funding it feel like they have a literally a vested interest in it, it just it's such a I mean, all you have to do is just look at threads and forums. You can see the the anger that people have for this. It's 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 a difficult situation, and it just reminds me of the many reasons that uh, that we've shied away from these kind of things in the past. Yeah, Christian. Rich, what's your favorite game or franchise or thing of all time? Like, I know it's a hard question, but like, quick, like, mine would be like Batman or Spider Man or whatever. Do you have like a thing that you love? Portal. 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 So, what if yep. Valve came out and said, we'll make Portal 3, but in order to do it, we got to go through Fig or Kickstarter? Would you, would, would that be enough? No, because. And again, this is very specific, right? I have a feel between the you know billions of dollars that fall out of Valve's pocket and the hundreds of thousands of people who would line up to support it, I would just be like, oh, that's cool. You know, my personal investment of fifty or a hundred, and you know, I didn't even mean to say the word investment. I said it won't make a difference. So me personally, I, I wouldldn't wouldn't back. So you're that. a free rider. <laughs> well, I would well, I'll buy it when it comes out. I would, yes, I would actually pay the money for the product when it was available. I definitely would do that. But you're yeah. you're so sure that thing you love more than anything else in the world is going to come out because enough other people love it and are stupid enough to put money in advance that you don't need to. I'm just trying. I don't disagree with you, but I'm trying to yeah. suss out. It's a weird thing, right? Because you want the thing to get made, and when it comes out, you'll buy right. it. But yeah. you think you would never do it. And therefore, you kind of infer that people that do do it, not dumb, dumb's not the right word, but you're like, well, I want to do that. <laughs> like, whatever that is, it's no, a step it's, it, above dumb, you know, like, oh, okay. No, it's not that. It's just a different perspective, right? Like, I'm, you know, obviously, I believe in, in the market. The market will tell you whether your product is viable or not. Sure thing, commie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if there are enough people to purchase your product, you will very likely get it made and you will very likely make a profit. You know, I, I kind of chuckle at people who complain about, well, you know, if they would just make this game, they'd get billions of dollars. And the answer is no, that's not true. You know, the people who who fund the development and publication of video games, uh, by and large, are very smart and they have very intelligent uh, you know, financial people and actuarials who run the numbers and determine whether something is worth it or not, right? So I think most of the time, uh, the market uh, works very well in whether a game, you know, ultimately can and shouldn't get made and whether it will sell. So, and, you know, again, Portal's an easy one, right? Portal 3, if they made it, people would line up, whether it's Kickstarted or whether you. it's just announced, you know. <laughs> yeah, just not me, right? But people will buy that thing the second it's available. You know, other, like this game, Mighty Number no. 9, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly there is a market, but is the market big enough to support it? Don't know. We'll see. But that market that has funded it is pretty ornery right now. I, uh, I fell asleep while you were talking, but I think what I heard was <laughs> that you hate fun. Jeff, for real, <laughs> Jeff, where where are you on this? Because I, I honestly, I agree with Rich. I am largely, the only thing I think I've funded game-wise is a rollerblading game. And if you gave $30, you got access to the alpha. I read about the alpha. I knew what the alpha consisted. And I was like, eh, this is worth it. This is the sport that I, you know, I love. And rollerblading isn't a huge thing. And I will give to this. If I only get the alpha, I'm okay with that. Where Where are you on this? Well, I was going to give an example to reinforce your point Christian but now that you've insulted me I uh, I don't know if I want to anymore no, I, all right moving I'm, on I'm, I'm generally speaking sort of uh, reticent to reluctant to jump into the uh, the pool on Kickstarter with 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 some things uh, until I've you know seen them proven out 
the exception being board games. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of board game companies that have proven track records delivering on Kickstarter. I tend to do, and um, the great example like you you basically saying, well, what's your thing? You know, when I saw Bard's Tale come up on Twit on Kickstarter, I leapt at it. Like, yeah, I want to, and it's that thing that we've talked about many times. It's I want I I identify with that game. The nostalgia hit me. That's my thing. That's my whatever my uh psychonauts or my what what have you for people who are like oh my gosh that game resonates with me and i was like i do want to i do want to cast my vote you know use money as my voice like like we can in our political system um to sick burn show support (laughs) you know to show support for this project and so i did i did back uh the bard's tale four i guess it is that's coming out anyway uh it's interesting but uh i don't also share people's um, unhappiness when, when things get delayed. But I think that's just part of the process. And usually that process isn't as transparent as it is uh, when it, you have a publicly funded thing. I think so. where this really hits the fan is if this game comes out it's, and it's still a stinker and the net code still doesn't work. Because I think you tolerate delays if you get the thing that you were promised. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. We don't need to dive too far into it. But where it becomes a problem, I think, is like Star Citizen where it's getting yeah. delayed for – this isn't what I wanted. So it's like Mighty Number yeah. 9, like, we're delaying it to add in a first-person mode. And you're like, no, dude, I don't want that. Right. So we shall see. Uh, all right, guys, let's, uh, let's move on now to our playlist. Rich, uh, why don't you kick us off? What is on your playlist this week? Cool. Well, I got a, a got a bunch of stuff. I'll, I'll rattle through them real quick. First of all, I you mentioned can take your earlier. time. We got time. Oh, okay, we all got right, time. Cool. Um, I mentioned earlier um, I'm uh, I'm running the marketing organization for a company called Out of the Park Developments, and I was told that Mark from marketing would be on the show this week. Is we that can, not happening? I wonder if we can get him on the line. Uh, sometimes he listens, and he just uh, he has a direct line, so sometimes yeah. he can just call right in. Um, but you know, sometimes he's not paying attention. That dude is a genius. So if anybody knows him, like the the full deal, try to oh, connect ring, us ring, on LinkedIn. Ring, ring. <laughs> oh, it sounds like the direct ring, line ring. is <laughs> ringing, everybody. Uh, hello, um, uh, Mark, is that you? Oh, hey, guys, this is uh, Mark Edding from Marketing. I just wanted to call and say that um, while I don't agree with much of what Rich said, the last thing he said, or two things ago, <laughs> spot on. And, and now, Rich, just stay on that message. And reinforce that message and drive that message home. And if you're going to delay that message, release that delay announcement Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, right before a holiday. And after that, come back with some new media and screenshots about that message. Jeff, VR is not the future. Christian's the best. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Wow, Mark. That really, guy. He's a really big fan of Christian. Uh, <laughs> he knows what he, he knows. Is what's the good. real deal. <laughs> he is the real deal. So um, I've uh, since joining out of the park developments. I've actually taken a crash course on their games. I've played them in years past, but I've spent a lot of the last month just diving deep into them. They have uh, they have a game called Out of the Park Baseball. Uh, the latest one is Out of the Park sixteen, and they also have Franchise Hockey Manager two. These are both very deep uh, strategy games where you can take over a franchise and you can take over a franchise like this year or you can go back to the 1920s or to a team from the 50s or the 70s. 
um, they've got all the real players and all the right errors and all all these. They've got these amazing simulation engines that you can do these really cool things with. So I have been spending a lot of time uh, playing those. So I just wanted to mention that if anybody. Anybody likes, like if you're, you know, our age, if you remember games like Micro League Baseball or Stratomatic, Mm -hmm. these uh, baseball and hockey games are like that. But I shouldn't say on steroids because that's not really a good thing to use. (laughs) So regular baseball then. (laughs) (laughs) But these are are incredibly deep strategy games. And and they're not about like your twitch, you know, stick skills and, you know, pressing the button at the right time. It's all about understanding during a game or understanding building a team, you know, making trades and understanding, you know, the finances and setting yourself up for success over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, reliving history, all that kind of stuff. Some really amazing experiences that I'm just super excited to be um, part of the organization with. So I've been spending a lot of time uh, playing those, as you can imagine, because people think that I'm an expert at it. So I'm like, all right, well, I better <laughs> I better become an expert pretty quickly. Um, so that's that's, awesome. that's one thing. But Another game that I've been spending a lot of time with, and it's really on the opposite side, is Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the full retail release this past week or two. I'm not exactly sure, but relatively recently. And, you know, I enjoy, you know, I kind of mentioned her story. I enjoy these kinds of experiences. I really enjoyed, like many did, like many people did, the, you know, the first season of Walking Dead. Um, I don't know if either of you played The Wolf Among Us, which is another Telltale game. Did you play Christian that did, one? Right? Uh, some, not all. Chapter one, maybe chapter two. I thought it was good, but I was in the middle of uh, Telltale fatigue, and uh, right. it's great. It's dark in a, in the right ways. It, I think it is one of their better, but I have not finished it, so I don't I don't know. So, Life is Strange is not a Telltale game. It's a Square Enix game, um, but it, it has all of the same sort of similar structures and things like that. So, um, I just, you know, I'd heard so many good things about it, and I don't like to play episodic games until they're all done. Like, I like to play when I know that once I start it, I can finish it. Um, that's just sort of a personal preference so sometimes it gets tough like when you when you hear people talking about a game you know it's episodic and it's not done but i i've you know was glad to see that they had the full box release so i'm about two chapters in and um man that is a that is a heavy game (laughs) i don't know i I didn't really know what to expect i didn't read really any reviews or anything i just sort of knew the basic structure which is you know you're a you know you're a teenage girl and you can you know reverse time in brief Mm -hmm. periods so that you can you know perhaps change your mind and, and decision so but i mean i mean there's a lot of themes in there you know you've got economic despair you've got drug abuse sexual assault child abuse teen pregnancy guns in schools i mean they throw a lot of stuff at you. And the perspective that you're playing is like a teenage girl at a boarding school. You know, that's not exactly the you – know, that ain't exactly like playing Madden, right, or out-of-the-park right. baseball. It's a very different perspective. So I, I, I can't say that I'm enjoying it, but I'm certainly finding it very interesting. And I'm definitely – you know, I'm in, right? I'm not going to – I'm not going to stop now. Like I said, I'm I'm near the end of chapter two. I think there's five or six chapters. So I, I'm all in. I'm going to play the whole thing through. You know, the, the funny thing is, I don't know. I don't know um, how you guys feel about it. The, the dialogue and the story is kind of OK, but the music uh, yeah. and the choices of the music, I think, really do a great job of 
of setting a really good emotional tone. So I've been enjoying that part of it too. So I'm really glad you brought that up because we haven't really talked about that game on the show. And, and I saw it show up on a surprising number of end of the year best of lists. Uh, and it, you know, it's a game that really didn't ever really hit my radar too, too much. Um, but it, it, it does sound fascinating. Uh, I'd heard bad things about the first episode and sort of just le- like, you know, didn't really think about it again. And people say that the subsequent episodes have gotten progressively better and better. So um, I'm curious to hear as you continue playing it, uh, if, if your estimation grows even more. Uh, certainly, I, I like the ambition of the of the project and the yes. idea of trying to create this episodic story and really focusing on story in a in a game structured like that. Yes, and and I completely agree. I mean, I play a lot of different kinds of games. Your you know, your big time AAA games, and I really love being able to go on a diversion, right? And yeah. I remember Heavy Rain, right? Another great example. I mean, just I loved the experience. I love when these kind of risks are taken, even if the entire, even if by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh, really? Come on, just the the whole, the, just the whole sort of different take on these things i'm a big fan of so that that's why you know i was happy to to pick it up happy to play it even if i don't you know love everything about it it's certainly interesting and there's a lot again the the visuals are very good the music is terrific so uh, i'm like i said i i don't know if i can use the word enjoying it but i'm definitely it's interesting and i'm gonna play the whole thing no doubt um another thing that i'm playing and talking about going on on a completely different track uh, Star Wars Battlefront. I know you guys have had lots of conversations about this game. Mm-hmm. My son, who is eight, and I play it every single night, and we absolutely love it. For about a half an hour before bedtime, we just hop on and we play Walker Assault. Split screen? Or, uh, more often than not, we actually just hand the controller back and forth uh-huh. to each other when one of us gets blasted because we get killed pretty often and yeah. pretty regularly. The old life for but, level. We always say life for level. <laughs> Yeah, but it's great. We just have so much fun because the game just, it's this big, loud, Star Wars explosion-filled game. And, and just every every week, there's something really cool that happens. Like I mentioned, we're playing Walker Assault. We didn't really ever dive into Walker Assault. We used to just play a lot of Blast and a lot of Fighter Squadron. But, like, Walker Assault is really cool because at certain points in time, you're just running across the map and all of a sudden you realize, oh, my gosh, I can get in the in the AT-AT, right? Like, yeah. who doesn't want to get into an AT-AT and just blast the living heck out of everything around you, right? Or you can find an ATST, or, you know, you can hop into uh, different vehicles and stuff. I mean, you know, for people that have played Battlefield for years, they're like, dude, what are you talking about? I've been doing that forever. <laughs> but, you know... When when you're experiencing something like this with with your kid um, and you're able to sort of see it through their eyes as well as your own, you know, it's just such a beautiful game. The sound is great. The maps are gorgeous. You know, when you play it for 30 minutes back and forth, just having fun, you know, I know a lot of people had issues with the amount of content or things like that. But the way that we play it and the incredible amounts of fun that we have what are we three months after it was released and we we still just you know we we can't wait every night before bed to play it so we are just having a ton of fun every day with star wars battlefront that's really really cool and i think that's the star warsness of it right that's that's the fun totally is the star warsness yeah yep 100 percent. and uh the other one i just want to mention is super mario maker um 
another game where it was kind of a slow burn. It first came out, and, you know, my son and I played it a little bit, but especially over the last couple of weeks, we sort of picked it back up, and now it's sort of our new little obsession. And it's it's just so much fun to create these levels, and instantly, like, you know, if you're a developer, right, like you, you know the the trials and tribulations of okay. Well, I just built a screen. I want to see what it does. Okay, well, I got to hit compile. I got to redo this thing. I got to wait nine seconds, and then I got to deploy. Like with Mario Maker, you make changes to your level. Boom! You just like instantly in. You see what happens, and you go out. You make a little change here. Just the way that they have it set up. And the way that they're constantly giving you this new drip of new little stuff that you get to do. You spend some time with it, and then, oh, here's a new cool cool new thing. And you spend a little more time with it, here's another cool thing. Love Super Mario Maker. We're having a blast with that. So that's what uh, that's what we got going on. So you're, you're, you're using that mostly as a, as a creation tool, not playing other people's levels? 100%, because the other people are the devil, and those levels <laughs> that they created are just impossible. So if I'm going to play an impossible level, I at least want to know that I'm the one or my son is the one who did it because then i i can you know just throttle him because he's sitting there right next to me so makes it easy (laughs) it's it's pretty cool it's it's interesting i i just love you know that game you can't say enough good things about it that the yes last week our guest said he only plays that game playing other people's levels people playing it as a creation tool you can play a hybrid of the two uh it's the magic of mario it's the magic of that that vocabulary everybody knows and it's pretty wonderful it's pretty wonderful um, speaking of things that are wonderful, uh, let's listen to Christian um, complain about something. There's that. There's that something s- wonderful snark Jeff Kanata is known for. <laughs> that trademark Kanata snark. You were just let's let's listen to Christian take something wonderful, deep and heavy, and destroy it. So I played a game called Grow Home, which is not yeah, which, great game, which is not Gone Home, which I think is what you were talking about when you said great game. I played a game called Grow Home which was a Ubisoft little indie. I got it as part of PlayStation Plus. It's been sitting on my PlayStation 4 for a while. I do. I think it was one of my five other games of the year. Remember we did the five little games of the year? I think I had Grow Home on that list because I loved it that much. Well, it's on one of my pile of five other games of this year too. Um, five other games that no one should ever play. And I was I do Twitch streaming. It's just uh, Twitch TV Christian Spicer. Uh, Thursdays, and I was sitting there Thursday like, what do I want to play? What do I want to do? We're in kind of this, you know, doldrum. I don't necessarily want to jump into the back half of, you know, the last third of Oxenfree or the back half of of Gone Home as a Twitch stream seems a little weird to me uh, because I'm not like streaming every day kind of thing. And I was like, ah, I've wanted to play this game for so long. Jeff loved it. The the screenshots look great. This is going to be, I'm going to, this is going to be the best, best hour of gaming I've had in a long time. That game sucks, Jeff. It is awful i believe my twitch stream is still up if people want to see firsthand why it sucks um i have to think that this game was made by a small ubisoft team internally because they were tweaking with the assassin's creed climbing mechanic and discovering orbs and how you would get things and as rich said the market usually is right and someone at ubisoft was like hey guys this sucks we do not assassin's creed games have enough problems we are not going to make it this piece of crap mess and they're like well can we just put it through unity and give it crappy character animation and release it as a game and they were like go to town go to town the structure of the game if you don't know (laughs) is you are a robot who doesn't understand one-to-one input controls from the player and you need to (laughs) climb and traverse this big vine thing that you need to make grow and you collect orbs and then you ride penis-shaped things 
oh, that boy. shoot white things out of the end of it as they grow. It's not. It a hundred percent is. And then it plugs into another thing, and then the screen flashes when the penis-shaped thing plugs into the other part of the thing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I like in the in the chat room. Here's the progression of sequential uh, responses. Grow home is incredible. That game is boring. Grow home so amazing. So there's three different people. So I guess it is a polarizing game for lots, uh, the- and it certainly is a polarizing game for us. I loved it. The controls are the pro- go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. The controls are the whole game. Like, and you get better. It, you get better at it, and it's it. It really is. He can grab onto anything. It gives you complete freedom. Except he on- doesn't. I've glitched through the world so many times. I had to grab. I'm. Li- I have it on camera. I'm holding the button, holding grab, and then he just falls. I'm grabbing for two seconds, and for no reason whatsoever, the dude falls. Uh, Coloring Squared says there are wangs, but the game is still great. So, Definitely. So wangs. there you go. Um, I I don't know. I I didn't play it. What did I play it on? I, I, did I play it on PC? I think I did. Were you drunk also when you were playing it? Like your little no, robot? No, it's guy? amazing, dude. <laughs> you you are literally creating a platforming environment as you go. I mean, we just talked about Mario Maker. This is you can guide the the growth of the vines that you have to platform on as you are riding them. But you're and, <sighs> go ahead. You're okay. not because you don't know where they're gonna go when you shoot it, and you can't get it over to the thing sometimes. And there's no indication of which. But then you can you can make another one. There's no limit to how many of them you can make. You just have to collect another thing, find another bud, and go and and link them. And you're you're building this patchwork network. And when you finally crest beyond the clouds and you get higher and higher, there's such a feeling of of discovery and uh, of you get a sense of scale and you're going higher and higher and you finally reach the ship at the top. It's so awesome. Why does the guy he controls like Octodad and no game should control like Octodad except for Octodad because that's the fun <laughs> of the game is like, hey, this guy can't control, but you're also pretending to be a human and you're an Oct- like that's the joke of the conceit of the game. This little drunk robot, he lost his power and he's down. And the whole point of the game is precision platforming and you're creating this thing and building this platform for you to play on. And then momentum carries you off one time. Like I was recreating situations where one time I land and I stick it. The other time I land in what has to be the same freaking spot. And a guy tumbles off with momentum for some, for no weird reason. People Just grab on. About, you can grab onto anything. Just grab on. You got. I got to show you that. I'm not going to make you watch a 45-minute Twitch stream of the worst game uh, that come out last year. Biggest disappointment was that. Tony wow. Hawk 5, biggest piece of crap. Grow home. I, I bought into your hype, and it is – I don't need to belabor how bad it is. It's awful. You know I'm not the only person that loves that game. Okay. I'm just saying. Do you know that someone enjoyed Fantastic Four, the reboot? You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you know that some people right, enjoy my enough. comedy album? What I'm saying is sometimes people are wrong, <laughs> Jeff. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, it makes me sad that you didn't love that game because I, I found it to be delightful. I basically played through the entire thing in like one sitting or two sittings. So did and it I. Just was such a <laughs> I played it in one sitting and I'll never play it again. Oh, uh, it's great. It's a great – it's a wonderful – I hope that doesn't deter people. I hope people give it a shot. <laughs> no, it should definitely deter great. people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else? What else is on here? So this is an oldie and goodie. There was a, a NeoGAF thread, I don't know, maybe two weeks old, and it was – uh, Prince of Persia Forgotten Sands is my favorite Prince of Persia game. And of course, Why is there no new Prince of Persia game being made? I have no Those idea. Those games are great. Because Assassin's Creed is that, I guess? I don't I know. Guess. Or like the 2008, whatever that free-running game soured people, which is beautiful, but a weird game. 
Those games are awesome. Yeah, and so I read the thread, this NeoGAF thread, and apparently Forgotten Sands was the movie, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie tie-in game that they did. And maybe that's what killed it. Maybe that's what killed the entire franchise is the movie. Perhaps. Yeah, uh, yeah, Lone Ranger and John Carter. There's certainly a run of those bad uh, kind of, oh man, hopefully Assassin's Creed movie's good. But anyway, apparently the 360 and PS3 and PC version of the game with the same name and like same box art was bad, like just a a mess of a game and not good at all. And this game was made by a lot of the team that made uh, Sands of Time. And according to this NeoGAF thread, it was like, this is great. If you like Sands of Time, this is up there. It's not emo-y and weird like Warrior Within. You know, give this game a shot. So I found it on Amazon for 10 bucks. I bought it. Man, this game's good. I'm playing yeah. it on the Wii U through backwards compatibility. And so I'm playing it like, what, 480p or <laughs> whatever it is, like a Wii game. And it, I really wish that this game, this version, the Wii version, existed with non-Wii controls because the combat's never the focal point of those old, not old, but that you know GameCube era uh, Prince of Persia games. But sitting there like waggling the Wiimote to do the things, it's like you're just playing a snare drum for too long or something when you get into a combat room. Uh, but the exploration and, and the way you do it and they really use the Wii Motes limitations in a smart way where like, you know, you're spinning on a tower to then reach over to the next thing, but it tells you that you can make it like, hey, you're right. I know that the Wii is not the most precise control sometimes like you got this. Um, I'm maybe two hours in and it, it really is. It, if you liked Sands of Time and Warrior Within, what was the last one? The, the King, something about the King. Um, I think you'll really enjoy this game. I know it's super weird and super old, but I need to give props to the folks on Gaff that were saying that it is good. And it's so weird. Like, I couldn't find reviews for the Wii version. Like, all the reviews that came out for, were for the PS3 and Xbox 360 version. And there, here's this version that's a totally different game of the same name. Like, this is back to, you know, Genesis Super Nintendo era where it's like, hey, I got uh, Turtles. And it's like, no, you didn't. I got Remember that one level? I don't have that level. Just totally different games. And um, mm. play that. Support that Ubisoft game other than the hot garbage game, Drunk Robot Falls and This Game Sucks or whatever that game is called. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since we uh, since we had a listener mail on this show. And I wanted to talk about this one uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, which was the... DLC game of the year for 2015 um, is coming out on PC this week, which is pretty exciting. More people that might not have an Xbox One will get a chance to try it, and I, I think we all recommend this. So this re- references that game, but also I think this this really harkens back to the conversation we were having about The Witness, and um, it's sort of the other side of that coin. So this is an email sent in by Shane Bailey to uh, five or excuse me to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can always send us emails there. We love hearing your feedback and any questions you might have or comments, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. So Shane Bailey wrote, uh, when I booted up Rise of the Tomb Raider for the first time, I, did, I made an important decision to play the game without using Laura's or Lara's survival instincts. For a while now, I've been sick of games artificially empowering the player with a cheat system that completely deprives the experience of any true sense of discovery. Batman's detective mode, Gerald's Witcher sense, and Spartan Locke's ability to scan his environment, all examples of top-tier games that provide easy solutions for what could be challenges for the player to overcome and achieve a sense of fulfillment. Mere words cannot describe how much more satisfying my playthrough of Tomb Raider was after making that simple choice. 
Instead of entering a new area and spamming survival instincts, I'd start methodically scanning the lovingly crafted environments, searching through the incredibly detailed tombs the designers at Crystal Dynamics had created, feeling all the more rewarded for spotting the ancient gold pieces littered on a tomb floor or the bird's nest perched high in a tree. Deciphering tomb puzzles became all the more challenging as I analyzed each environment carefully, taking mental notes of interactive materials and points of interest. Similarly, I switched off the mini-map in The Witcher 3, and all of a sudden, everything I did became more satisfying. Instead of uh, marking an abandoned castle on my map and then effortlessly riding Roach in that exact direction, missing the beautifully crafted world around me, I was directing Roach through the wilderness, scanning my environments for threats, taking in the scenery, all the while keeping my eye on the horizon for a spire that might indicate my objective was up ahead. By making these small adjustments to the games, my play experience went from tricking, uh, went from ticking the boxes to being incredibly immersed in a highly detailed world, and I can't emphasize how much more satisfying it was. I encourage everyone to try it with whichever game play they want to play next, because it's a story of glory anyone can experience. What do you guys think of this? Shane Bailey, thanks again for sending that in. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. Um, Rich, what's your, what's your feeling on this? It's sort of artificially making the game a little more difficult and time-consuming, but uh, he makes a pretty solid case for why it, it might be worthwhile. No, I love these kind of things. I, I really enjoy a game that gives you multiple options of how to experience it. I mean, it's not the same thing, but I'll, I'll give you an example. MLB, the show on the PlayStation 4, has for years been great, but the commentary has been a little grating. Um, and I turned off the commentary by the suggestion of, of a few friends, I think, on last year's version. And when you're playing MLB The Show without the commentary on, but you just have the sounds of the ballpark and you hear the umpire calling the balls and strikes and the fans very clearly, you know, sort of saying different things about what's going on in the game. And you'll even hear like some of the players talking and stuff. It, it, it changes the experience significantly. So I love the fact that you can do these kind of things. So, again, while it's not the same example, the more options that games give you to experience it, the ways... Uh, that you sort of find work for you, the better. And that's why I think this is so cool. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I fear that if I were to do that, I would walk around just spamming the interaction button instead of of the instincts buttons, um, looking for little bits of interactive areas of the environment. Um, but I certainly applaud the idea, and I wish there was a more elegant solution that games would come up with. I think, Christian, you and I both nicked uh, Tomb Raider slightly in our initial impressions of it because of that emphasis on the survival instincts and the way it seems to welcome your spamming of that feature. Um, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, I feel like what it is right now, it's a crutch for developers and for players, too, to utilize because not everything in the world is fully interactive, and I agree with the email that the world of Tomb Raider is lovingly created and beautiful, but it's hard when you're walking around a world looking at things and seeing like, oh, this is great. Well, I can't pick up a bucket, fill it with dynamite, and throw it at someone like I could in the real world if I saw it. Like a bucket I can't interact with. Maybe oh, I'll yeah, kick it. Oh, yeah, dynamite buckets, man. It's so common in the real world. Dynamite buckets? Those are the best buckets. Which, yeah. you know, those I get right under three-arrow headshot kills. Like, <laughs> what day is it today? Monday? 
gonna be doing that later <laughs> but what i'm saying you know like some doors can't open the last of us one of my favorite games hallway blocked with 10 chairs well it can't go past that <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> i take out a crowbar bar and break open a fridge door you know whatever it is so it's this weird thing where the limitations of the tech mean that I, you can't fully interact with everything or a tomb raider example maybe that's better for you jeff uh, if there's a bunch of elephant ears growing in the jungle, I should be able to lie down and put them over me to hide me. Well, I can't. Right. I can't interact with that. That's not a hide point or, you know, whatever. Well, also because your, your dynamite bucket will stick out. Well, <laughs> my dynamite bucket is always sticking out. And if you find it and grow home, it will just shoot away and uh, launch into a, a beautiful flower. I think that's the problem, though, is where you can't fully interact with everything, and so they want people to see what to do. But at the same time, I do agree that it there's an over-reliance on it by players. And the Arkham series really tried to limit this, too. And I think they found—it's not the right balance, but an interesting one, where in Arkham Asylum, I mean, I feel like most players, you played that game 90% in detective mode. And then what they started to do is, in City and Night— you couldn't see other things when you were in that mode. So I forget what it was like your radar went away. They found another way to hurt you, uh, to hinder your view if you were using it. So you wouldn't always leave it on. And in Tomb Raider, it's, you know, it pulses and then goes away, but then it creates the part where you're like repeating, repeating. Um, I would love to see a world where you don't need it. And like, it's subtle things that point you in the right direction, like lighting cues or this, that, or the other. But at the end of the day too, if I were in a jungle, and sitting there with like, what can I interact with? What can't I interact with in real life? You bet your butt if there was a way that I could flash and see what I need to help me get out of this situation with a bear, Leo would have clicked that button. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can point you to a, a game where you don't have that and don't need it, and that's Fallout. You know, in that universe, it's one of the reasons I love that game is because so much of the environment is interactable that you know, a, a sense of what would be interactable would be, you know, it'd be like edit mode when you go into edit mode in your settlements. Everything is pretty much glowing. Um, and I and that's what I love about that universe. It feels more alive. It feels more real. It feels more authentic than anything else because so much of it is is bits and bobs that all can be collected or used or utilized in certain ways. And I I love that. I mean, I, I, I would even relate that to grow home uh just to annoy you because the idea that he can literally grasp onto any surface does give you more freedom it does make the game feel uh, more improvisational and creative because unlike you know nathan drake or lara you know who can only latch onto surfaces that for some reason have been painted white or whatever you know like there's a ledge is a very specific thing that can you can grasp onto by the way worst job in those universes, you're the ledge painter. Like, they uh, never make uh, it out alive. <laughs> yeah. Ledge painters are, yeah, that's a very high risk, low that's reward. The, that's job. the skeleton you see in every tomb. That's like in the main oh, room. Yes. It's like, that was the ledge painter. <laughs> the guy's like, we built this very intricate tomb, but we got to make sure there's a way in and way out that, uh, you know, not everybody's going to discover right away. But, you know, make it subtle, Bill. Make it subtle. He's um, like, I've been, I've been trying. Yeah. I've been using white paint. I, for years I used yellow, and uh, it's been raided so many times. He's like, don't you think that the guys that come through here will just have sort of an innate survival instinct to know where they can grab? <laughs> no, 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 we can't rely on that. Use your paint, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a tough, that's a tough day at work. Uh, anyway... I, I jumped back into Fallout this week uh, to complete sort of my 
what I've been playing my uh, my playlist. Uh, I went. You know what? I just got to buckle down and and just finish this game out because I've been doing so many side quests that I haven't actually finished the main storyline. I got to just do it, or I'm not gonna. And I jumped in, and then I, I'm at that part where it's like you. You know, you got to make a decision on which faction you're supporting, and everybody else's quests will fail, fail, fail. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm right at the end. But um, that's just so. It reminded me again how much I love being in that world. I just love it. I, it's a, not a very positive place, obviously, but I love the sense of scale and the sense of freedom and the, how everything really does just behave the way it's supposed to and i i want more games like that i want more games like that and less games like survival instinct style. hey honey i got a great idea for our honeymoon where are we going well <laughs> there's this apocalyptic wasteland <laughs> it's fun to be in you know why because all the trash you see can be picked up wait what <laughs> and then i mean then we have to walk an hour to put it in a thing that can hold it because we might need it later, but it's all—it's uh, very, it's very heavy. Don't <laughs> don't get me started on how heavy telephones are. Oh. <laughs> um, but they have sweet circuit boards in them, guys. So are and, you and wire? Are you done, or where did you get? How no, close are you? I was I was planning to finish out. Here's what happens to me when I load up Fallout, dude. I go, okay, I'm gonna finish it out this week. It'll be you know you know I'll be able to talk about it on the playlist. I really want to do an episode like you got to do. Uh, with Greg for Batman, where I we just do spoilers. Yeah, start uh, finishing games, man. Talk about that. I do finish games. <laughs> um, but anyway, I load it up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to power through and finish the main storyline. And then and it's like, oh, but there's so much interesting stuff that I haven't done. And here's a oh, here's a here's another. I can just clear out this thing, and I'll just, and then four hours later, I'm like, oh, I just been <laughs> been clearing out stuff. Um, yeah. So I you know I I made a decision on which faction to support. And it might surprise you, but uh, we'll talk about that in a future spoiler-filled nice. occasion. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's carve out our our little bit of our tabletop time. Right now, right now. Rich, it looks like you uh, have a tabletop. Uh, entry here on the list yeah uh for christmas my son got a game called rush hour which is a cool little puzzle game where you're uh, one person plays chris tucker and the other one (laughs) plays jackie chan yeah i was very surprised that they gave it to my eight-year-old i'm like this is not age appropriate guys (laughs) but you know the grandparents these days they don't they don't really get the whole age appropriate thing anymore it's you know the internet and all so uh but no it's uh and i think it's there there are it's probably been around for a while i had i never heard of it in fact when we were playing it my sister who was visiting said oh yeah we have that on the ipad so but it's a puzzle game um, and it's got different you know it's got beginner levels and intermediate levels and advanced levels um where you just have a series of cars in in a grid and your job is to get one car specifically out of the traffic jam and off the board and you have to just you know maneuver the the vehicles around in various ways and as i had to tell my son you know just dumping all the cars off the board and then you know it's not really the point <laughs> of doing it that's what we wish um, we could do in real rush hour <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly i said you know this is as a guy who commutes for about uh you know sometimes 90 minutes one way three four sometimes five days a week this is not the best way for me to spend the holidays but i digress so it's it's actually a lot of fun 
fun, and um, my son and I had had a blast. Um, you know, just sort of you know getting the different cars out of the way and figuring out. Okay, well, if you move this here, what happens there? And you know, you move forward one to back up two, and then and so on and so forth. So it's a lot of fun. It's actually a single player game. Um, but that single player, if you have somebody sitting next to you, that person next to you winds up reaching over very quickly and saying, well, just move this here and move that there. <laughs> so it's it's really sort of a however many people are staring at the board at any given time game. So, yeah, we've been having a, a lot of fun with that. And I know there's different iterations uh, of it. Uh, you know, there's like, uh, you know, little kids versions of the game and there are more, uh, you know, uh, more advanced levels of the game. But it's fun. It's called uh, Rush Hour. and We've been having a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, it looks a little like Blockus, if people are familiar with that game. It's sort of a grid-based um, pieces in a similar way. Very cool. Um, my One of the games that I wanted to bring up uh, is another uh, car-based game. Uh, this is called Automania, and it was released uh, toward the end of the year last year. Uh, first time I got the chance to play it, I was very excited about it. The, the theme here is creating cars on an assembly line, then putting them on ships and selling them into different markets, either the North American market or the European market. And the different markets have different things that they want out of cars. And it's cool. You know, I love board games where you are building something, where you're creating something, where you get to see this this stuff happening in front of you. Uh, your little engine of, of commerce is built up and you get to make cooler and cooler stuff. And that is certainly the case here. You Every player has their own unique board that is uh, actual assembly line paths for three different types of cars. You have like a, a compact car, you have a uh, like an economy car, like an SUV a family car, and you have a sports car. And so you can you can add different features along the assembly line paths, and some of the paths intersect. So if you want to add like better steering or more safety or a cool spoiler to make it go faster or an awesome exhaust. You add those along your assembly line paths and then the cars that follow those paths will get those features as you make them. So you are also being able to add uh, managers to your, to your assembly line that give certain features and you're trying to create more and more popular cars. They have, Each uh, car that you create has a star rating that lets you know how popular it is, and it's popular based on the market at the time. And the two different markets, North America and European, have certain things that make the cars popular, and those things change over time. So you're constantly having to shift what you're trying to create to create more and more popular cars. And then you get to place those cars onto ships based on their popularity and then sell them into the markets either for money, which lets you do certain things, buy more upgrades and, and increase the capacity of your, of your, uh, your assembly line or, uh, for victory points to win the game. Uh, it's a pretty, they call it a, a medium weight worker pr- placement game. Cause you are placing workers out of your supply and allowing them to do certain things to, to make those cars, but it isn't, you know, super heavy, like something like Caverna or, uh, Agricola or something that, you know, real heavy uh, worker placement. And it's not quite as light as something like uh, Lords of Waterdeep, which is a very introductory sort of entry-level worker placement game. It's something in the in the middle, but it's certainly not too complicated to uh, get someone that might not be too familiar with hobby games or worker placement games. I like it. The, the art is really vibrant and colorful. It kind of looks, a lot of people have commented that it kind of looks like a like a iOS app or something that's it's very uh, it looks like little icons on everything that are very colorful and cartoony. 
Um, and I, I find that to be very pleasant to look at. The components are all really solid and, and cool, and you get to make cars. Um, so I, I dig it. It's a, it's a neat, if you've if never really played worker placement games, Lords of Waterdeep is always a good one to recommend as a first time, but uh, this would be a great sort of second game or uh, maybe even a first game for some intrepid players, but uh, really fun, really interesting, and a, and a cool theme you don't see a lot where you really are sort of making something. You get to make these cool cars, and they're cooler and cooler as you go along. Um, pretty neat. It's called Automania. Um, yeah. Yeah, sounds nice. nice. A little stressful, cool. but uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the audio industry... Oh, I forgot to mention, at the end of the game, uh, everybody gets a bailout. Oh, so. I love it then. I'm on board. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I also want to mention the fact that uh, I... Brought to uh, a friend's house a couple of times uh, code names again. I know we've brought up code names a bunch on this show, but man, that game never fails. If you want an easy $20 game, board game, to bring to a party, you can play it with a huge number of people. It's super easy to explain. Everybody gets it. And no, I have never brought out code names and had people go, had people not say, let's play that again. Let's do that again. Let's play that again. Easy to play again, too, because the way you lay out all the the pieces are the uh, the words and in a grid form to play the game and then you just flip them all over to play the game again so it plays really fast a second time uh man huge hit everybody that i've brought this out to loves it it's like you can find it for less than 20 bucks it's a guessing game it's a party game it really requires you to use your brain people love the puzzle of it which is you know how many words can i get my team to guess by only giving them one word clue so you're trying to link words together with a single clue uh and it's a fun puzzle to try to get people to say the right thing and and man tons i, I must have played this 15 times this weekend with uh with groups of people because they just wanted to keep playing it over and over again it's called code names uh have i played that with you yet christian i don't think we've played it it sounds fun though oh we, we should maybe uh maybe when you come over for the super bowl or something we'll we'll because that's what I'm looking to do on Super Bowl Sunday. I think maybe a different time. <laughs> oh, I have, I'm having a Super Bowl party that's uh, – be, the television will not be on at any point. It's just board games. <laughs> Surprise! That's, we're all playing board that's games. That's how you get people in. Yeah, The game, yeah. guys, today's big game. Oh, no, no. Super Bowl meant the Super Bowl of board games. What else is happening today? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the Super Bowl of board games party. Uh, you didn't see the fine print of board games. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, that – that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, fun one, man. I, lo- I love it when you come by, Rich. I, we've got to have you on more often. This is really fun. Oh, I, I, I listen to – I've been listening to variants of this show. I mean, I go back to One Up Yours, which became – Listen Up, which became Weekend Confirmed, which is where I, I first you know started hearing you. And then DLC, I listen every single week. I love the show. So it's a blast to be on here. I'm, it's just a lot of fun. Thank oh. you. Well, that's, that's our pleasure, and thanks for saying that. It's very nice of yeah. um, Why don't you let people know where they can follow you and the games you're making now and all that good stuff? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Rich Grisham. Um, I mentioned uh, you know, I work for Out of the Park Developments. We make three games. One of them is Out of the Park Baseball 16, which is a PC game. It's available right now on Steam. Uh, it's actually on sale for 50% off, um, so you can get it for 20 bucks. We have Franchise Hockey Manager 2, also a PC game um, that is uh, available through Steam as well. And again, these are games that you can basically experience the entire history of the sport. 
in 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 one game. They're 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 just a, a whole lot of fun. And, and the baseball game, by the way, is fully licensed by Major League Baseball. So it's got all the teams and the ballparks. It's got all the players throughout history. We also have a mobile game uh, called MLB Manager 2016. Uh, that's five bucks and is basically out of the park baseball, uh, but uh, you know on your on your mobile device. So uh, those are available now, and it's just it's so much fun being on this side after 10 years of writing about and podcasting about video games being on the side of the of the publishing and the development side it's a real education um and uh, it's just a lot of fun that's so great. that's where you can find me and that's how you can support the great guys that uh, that uh, i work for awesome and congratulations about that that's fantastic thank you very much i have to ask you too who you got in the super bowl are you are you going to have the balls to pick Denver, or are you going to go with the uh, consensus pick of, of Carolina? Well, I had uh, New England versus Carolina as my picks, um, so I'm going to I'm going to roll with Denver now because Ooh. I did not see what they I, I didn't see that coming, and I kind of think Carolina might be going into this game sort of thinking they've already won it, and mm-hmm. we've seen a few times in Super Bowls past. That it's not about how you played coming into the game. It's about how you play in the game. So while Carolina obviously <laughs> is a great team, and Cam Newton, even though he came from Auburn ugh, as an Alabama guy, <laughs> that really bothers me. He's obviously a MVP and an amazing quarterback. But that defense that Denver rolls out there is pretty darn good. And I think with two weeks off, Peyton Manning's got another good football game left in him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Denver. Yeah, it certainly would be lovely to see Peyton retire with a with a new another ring. Uh, I think that everybody would would feel good about that. Although it's hard not to root for Cam and those those guys too, because they've certainly put together one heck of a season. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I just hope, unlike the other two games they've played, I hope they don't bust out to a huge lead. I'd love it to be a competitive, you know, all the way through and a real back and forth battle. We've seen some amazing games in the playoffs this year. So I hope it's another uh, it's another good one and not not a blowout right away. That would be a bummer, for sure. Christian, what do you got going on this week? Um, I'm going to be in San Antonio with you uh, this weekend doing a Whoa! Pack South Friday, twelve thirty at the Falcon Theater. Um, I will also be doing two stand up sets at ten p.m. and a midnight show at the Blind Tiger Comedy Club in San Antonio Saturday the thirtieth. Sure thing in Austin. The next weekend after that, February 5th and 6th, I will be in Chapel Hill doing sets as part of the North Carolina Comedy Arts Fest and uh, bringing improv versus stand-up out there, which actually just wrapped its um, L.A. run after three-plus years. We we called it a night, called it a show last night here at UCB, and it was phenomenal. So thank you to everyone that came out. And then February 13th, I'm in Cal, at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and then February 27th and March 13th. Those are weekends. I will be down in San Diego. So some out-of-LA shows if you're looking to catch up. And the best way to keep in touch is Twitter, at Spicer, and then my website, which I don't update often, but it's christianspicer.com. And uh, there might be some big news coming soon, and it will either be a pinned tweet on Twitter when when or if it happens, or on my website, and not quite at the same level um, a writing partner and I, who was also a parent, we launched a new podcast called Department of Parenting, and uh, only kind of the episode zero, Hello World episode is out right now, just three minutes, basically seeding the RSS feed, saying, hey, here we are, we're going to do this thing. 
Uh, looks like real episodes will start mid-February. Episodes will be Tuesday, Thursdays, and it's called Department of Parenting, and it's on iTunes now, and you can find the RSS. You'll hear more about it when it really gets going. Jeff, what uh, what do you got going on? Yeah, man. Excited to go to San Antonio for PAX South. Uh, would love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you're going to be there, if you're not, even if you're not going to be there, we'll probably be able to release a recording of what we did. We'd love to hear y- y- any ideas you might have about stuff you'd like to hear us talk about or questions. If you're going to be there live, come armed with questions. We'll have a Q&A. It doesn't have to be questions about us personally. It can be topics for us to tackle or, or whatever. We'd love to have the show be as interactive as possible in front of that live audience. It'll be a real good time. Uh, I hope if you're going to be at PAX on Friday, you'll you'll come and hang out with us at noon because we're going to have a I think we're going to have a blast. Uh, and then, of course, also we have concerns at wehaveconcerns.com. We're going to be there uh, Saturday night to do a live show as well, uh, which will be uh, should be fun. And uh, love to see you there for that. Um, tomorrow Daily. Check out Tomorrow Daily. We're doing some really fun stuff. I got to wear – oh, I should have talked about it in this episode. I didn't even think about it. I got to – I didn't bring up any VR this week, but I got to wear a haptic suit on Tomorrow Daily. You should watch the video of that because it's ridiculous. I got to wear a full-body haptic feedback suit in VR on Tomorrow Daily. You can find that at tomorrowdaily.com uh, and uh, the Slash Filmcast at slashfilmcast.com. Talk about movies all the time. Check that out too. All right, guys, let's uh, give a, people a little something to do during the week with our parting gift. Rich, you got a parting gift to get people through their week? I do. Uh, before I mention, I did want to say thank you, Jeff, for that recommendation you made. I believe it was last week for the uh, HBO show Togetherness. Mm-hmm. I actually I binge watched uh, all but the last episode over the course of the last week, and uh, it, uh, it it was very interesting. <laughs> so very enjoyable. Lots of stuff going on. Makes you makes you think about a lot of stuff. So, uh, but thank you for that recommendation. Yeah, right on. Um, I just finished a book called Satchel, The Life and Times of an American Legend by Larry Tai. It's a book about Satchel Paige, oh, wow. uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the legendary uh, baseball pitcher who uh, spent most of his career toiling away in the Negro Leagues and barnstorming across the country, and then at the very end of his career got a chance to finally go into the majors after Jackie Robinson. And um, there has been a lot of things that have been written about Satchel Paige. Uh, this is uh, one of the more recent biographies, and it's it's written in a really – very it's 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 not it it doesn't make anybody i don't know the the right word i'm saying it's just written in a very pleasant way even though it's dealing with a lot of very difficult subjects Hmm. um it doesn't you know it it certainly it does a great job of presenting what the world what the united states you know was like back in the 20s and 30s and 40s when all of this stuff was going on um, but it, it, it doesn't veer too far in one direction or the other. It's just very matter of fact. But Satchel Page was an amazing person with, you know, a, a personal history that is just unbelievably entertaining to read about. Um, and so highly recommend a book. It's called Satchel, The Life and Times of an American Legend by Larry Ty. Very cool. How about you, Christian? You got a parting gift? I tweeted this, and I had never watched the Harry Potter movies. I have never read the books. I started book one, never got through it. And I feel like I'm, you know, if you believe Malcolm Gladwell's outliers, you know, how age and when you're born is such a factor in what you do and who you are. I think I just missed Harry Potter. Like, I was just 
not quite the right age, not quite old enough to be like, hey, this is good and like legit good, read it, and not quite young enough to be infatuated with the the wonderful wizardry world of Harry. And also, um, you don't have magic in your heart. I well, I do, and then I played Grow Home, and it stomped it out of me. <laughs> um, I started. I watched uh, Year One or Sorcerer's Stone good fine everybody says you know it's kids movies and they get you know keep keep with them and i will i'm going to keep with them i hope to have them all done uh, in the next couple of months i don't know one a week or something like that but the parting gift would be if there is something that of cultural significance or pop cultural significance don't just don't consume it because that's your thing (laughs) like i have some friends that are like no i haven't watched star wars and now i'm not going to like i made it i'm 40 now i just can't go do it try it Maybe you don't like it, then stop if you don't like it. Or like, Harry Potter, it's dumb, it's kids. You know, it can't be bad. A lot of people like it. Try it. So if you have one of those things, I've never listened to a Beatles album, they stink, everybody likes them. Try it. Just try it. For me, that's Harry Potter. The other one that will be next that will make my wife the happiest girl on the block is, uh, I have never watched Forrest Gump. What? I know. Weird, right? It just didn't happen. And uh, I need to do that. I, I may have you know. seen Forrest Gump. 20 times I, i've seen it a couple times but it's been a long time i'm curious sort of watching it today how that quote-unquote holds up now yeah. that you mentioned that. yeah we will see it will be after after harry potter is forrest gump uh awesome i have another recommendation that uh anybody can anybody that has netflix i urge you if you have 15 minutes it's all it's gonna take i guarantee you this will make your day uh there's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant animator by the name of Don Hertzfeld. I had the pleasure to actually go to college with him and knew him socially in college, and some of my friends did voices for his early work. Uh, he has gone on to be an Oscar-nominated just genius. I, I think he's a genius. Uh, and his newest work, which came out not too long ago on Netflix, I finally got around to watching. It's called World of Tomorrow. You can do a, a search for Don Hertzfeld or World of Tomorrow on Netflix. You should watch everything he's ever done because they're all amazing. This one is particularly amazing. I'm not going to spoil it. It's only 15 minutes long or just over, I guess. But uh, it's something very special. It is, like all of his work, uh, melancholy and hopeful at the same time. It is, uh, it'll make you think. It'll make you laugh. It will uh, make you a little sad. It's... Uh, beautiful uh he does a very simplistic kind of animation with stick figures and has always done for his entire career but it's some of the most expressive stick figures you will ever see in your life and uh he's just he's brilliant he writes he animates uh and world of tomorrow is hilarious and sad and disturbing and ominous and all all of these wonderful things i can't speak highly enough about it world of tomorrow on netflix by don hertzfeld Cool. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks to Christian Spicer and Rich Grisham for being here with me. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat room for being here with me. Uh, you guys really add to the show. We appreciate it. Thanks to all of you who have downloaded and listened to the show. Please tell your friends. And uh, thanks to Sean Madigan and his wife for our awesome uh, bumpers and also to uh, the – uh, uh, indomitable, amazing uh, uh, Patrick L. I, Patrick L. Why do I always forget his name? Patrick, you're the best. Um, the good news I about would, you forgetting those, he gets more superlatives in front of it. I was stalling. You could tell. <laughs> Seamless. Patrick L. Uh, thanks so much uh, for the for the cool um, 
Story of the Week bumper as well. Okay, uh, wrapping it up. Thanks, guys. Uh, as always, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 